I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The pieces of science fiction that travel throughout the Marvel Universe continue to grow. What was a program about superheroes on Earth it's quickly embiggening to become something a whole lot larger. Inside the most recent episode, Season 5, Episode 15, Rise and Shine, we find that universe not only becoming larger and more connected, but much more intimate as our S.H.I.E.L.D. team and the minions of HYDRA unite? It's a wacky world, changing quickly, and we've got it all reviewed for you during this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Greetings, everyone. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, always great to engage you with yet another review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, on ABC yes. and Hulu Streaming. A quick little bit of housekeeping. The Green Gab. Congratulations to The Green Gab for reaching a huge download quantity milestone recently. Mm. Uh, they also just received their very first sponsor over really? at The Green Gab. I'd like everybody to go over and visit host Marla Esser Close and Tony Pratt over at GreenGabPodcast.com. There you'll find their entire library along with the most recent episodes, four of them to be exact, that are sponsored by their newest sponsor, Arrow Barrier. You can also find out more about Arrow Barrier over at arrowbarrier.net. And not to become a commercial for them here inside of the Agents of Shield podcast, but the stuff sounds like something that belongs inside of an Agents of Shield episode. Yeah. Essentially what it does is it allows you to seal the atmosphere in a home. But Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It makes it much easier to control with whatever HVAC system that you've got. Uh. And again, not to become a commercial for Aero Barrier, but when I was listening through to it, just to hear how the beats of the sponsorships roll and uh, their episode in general, it really is some of that space age stuff where you say controlled atmosphere in your home and suddenly the future pops up and you see things. Well, <laughs> those two worlds are colliding right now. You can listen to all that right now over at greengabpodcast.com. The Run to Infinity. I'm telling you, Nick, I am dodging bombs left and right during my travels through the intertubes. Ah, the uh, YouTube goblin tossing bombs at you again? Huge. I, I can just barely get into my YouTube fix slash 
pop-up window no. slash time to time to watch some more YouTubeness, and not fun, <laughs> not fun. So I realized that the next what twenty-five days is going to be just filled with me lurching around like the Flash inside of a a place where all I can see are tiny little bumps in the road that I've got to try and navigate. And I, I I can't believe how big a deal it is to not get spoiled prior to a movie, but it really is. It's it it, it is an it's an it's an exercise. If I had any artistic talent whatsoever, I would I would come up with a great cartoon image of you. Only it would be like that image from A Clockwork Orange, where they've got his eyes are taped open and he's he's. <laughs> being forced to watch horrible images it's it's all about uh, brainwashing but instead of horrible images i'd be just be playing constant trailers and tv spots of infinity war over and over and and just watch you go mad i I think you're gonna have to throw in a whole bunch of the youtubers that want to spoil every single thing spoilers it's it's terrible and uh, but for those of you that don't want to be spoiled but still need a giant sized slice of awesome marvel reviewdom you can check out all of our perspective reviews of marvel content over at twoguystalking.com forward slash infinity there you'll find all of the listings of the stuff that we have viable along with a listing of things that we don't yet have reviews for. And that's where we're looking for you to chime in and tell us that you're interested in reviewing any one of the number of things that we have not yet done inside of perspective reviews, which typically is between a year and we've, we've done stuff that's 25 years old. Oh, yeah. Uh, inside the Marvel Universe cone. Go there, chime in on the contact button and let us know what you want to help us review. Nick, here's the sausage and eggs along with a side of crispy bacon because it's time to rise and shine during Season 5, Episode 15 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. The Review. Pass the coffee and hail Hydra. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A leadership standoff. This whole front end, I love. I'm trying to remember the last time that we had two figures on screen, and I don't count May, but two figures on screen where it was Colson and insert name of figure that I felt more confidence in than these two. Mm. The front end of this episode is just so incredibly a, a wonderful on-ramp to storytelling. I love what they've done with Colson over the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. I love what they have generated with General Hale in less than a season. Right. And here are the two, call them the superhero leadership team, uh, jumping in together with the absolute interest in uniting the teams, at least on one side to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the conversation that they have throughout the entire episode, there are pieces of other conversations that we've had with people inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I know we really did pay attention to and mention. I just can't remember them. But this one is way up there on the scale of wow do I care. Mm. It, I, well, I, I think that's that's what happens when you when you get, and not necessarily villain-wise, but when you get another dynamic character in the room with another dynamic character like mm-hmm. Phil Coulson. Uh, Phil can either control a room or he can share a room with somebody who knows how to stay on his level. 
And this episode, specifically this episode, really shows that General Hale is on Coulson's level. Yeah, and I really enjoy what they've done with General Hale. Catherine Dantas as General Hale mm. is spectacular. Another quick note that I don't think I threw inside the skeleton but really does deserve attention is that the young General Hale, they found a great actress to emulate what Catherine Dent is throwing to the screen perfectly. Mm-hmm. The, the attitude is there. The look of what that girl will become, all of it is absolutely spot on. And those those little details really do matter, especially inside the smaller HD screen, where typically you would see matches like this inside of a larger feature film. Again, just total kudos well, to the know, casting folks that and- found not only Catherine Dent to play this character, but the person that found young Catherine Dent slash General Hale. Because uh, casting a television program is way more than just going and finding somebody that looks right. It's finding someone that can emulate an attitude. And when you've got that younger and then older character paradigm that's got to get matched, it's very difficult. It's not just, oh, let's go push a button. doesn't happen. Well, it's difficult. It's difficult if you make it difficult uh, for, for a big budget movie. You can always get somebody that kind of sort of looks like them and then throw CG on the face if you really want to. Mm. Or you have the budget to throw the makeup, the prosthetics on, on the face and make them look... Uh, whatever you want here and it's not just the the actress who plays young hale it's the actors in general who play young characters we know of during this flashback yeah yeah well here i'll I'll give you the the wondrous you've got to be kidding me moment and it is inside of a feature film the dread of star trek nemesis Mm. i love me some tom hardy i love me captain picard he is not a young Captain Picard by any stretch. <laughs> it, it doesn't the, matter the how much knows, you how much hair you shave off. <laughs> it was just about as terrible as it can get. And it wasn't just the script. The script was pretty thin too. Well, yeah. But the a match it was not. That's how it can all go wrong w- without question. <laughs> Visiting the past. Another giant score that Agents of Shield has slam dunked. Jesus, what, a hundred times now during the run of the program and yet another one. We have never bitched about using flashbacks on this show. And yet again, kudos all around because this half, over half of this episode is flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. And not at any point in time did I go, boy, I really wish these flashbacks would end and we'd get back yeah. to present day. Yeah. The story is compelling. Yeah. When you use flashbacks, and we've, we've talked about this several times for this show, when you use flashbacks in the way that a flashback is supposed to be used in storytelling, there's no reason to bitch about it. Yeah. And constantly, this show keeps on getting it right. Yeah. When, when we started doing flashbacks in this episode, I was like, ooh, I was excited. I was like, all right, come on. Tell me something I don't know, because I know... I have no doubt in my mind that they're they're not going to screw this up. Yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, and it was. It was all compelling. Uh, I also loved the little baptism you get with the sage old music of the times that are expressed. Mm-hmm. I also love that they're they have absolutely no fear of bouncing around. They they go twenty eight years, they go two years, and then they go six six months, six months and then twenty four hours. Yeah, ago. yeah. I, I I love that. It's terribly compelling. It's almost a marching backwards clock. Mm-hmm chasing the storyline throughout and it really does pay off 
it really creates a compelling sense of the the episode is going to and in fact it did it felt re- like a really short episode the, mm. the, the the actual flavor of it chasing its own tail at the end while you're watching I, I really enjoyed it. It really offered something that really felt like you were getting big, giant, juicy bites in a shortened amount of time when in reality it's exactly the same length as any other episode. Yeah. Remembering two paths. There is a value in wondering where your life might have went, regardless of your age. And I know that just... I know that in just the last year, it's something I've always contemplated. Like, what if I had chosen to not come to St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Or what if the podcast bug literally hadn't bit me in 2005? Recently, I celebrated my 20th anniversary at my 9-to-5-er. Well, what if I'd only had five years at that job? Mm. Or, you know, insert any number of where you stop, pause, hit the pause button on life, and you consider your life and think backwards. The front end of this entire episode is wonderful because not only do you have Catherine Dent's General Hale doing it, you you get that flavor across almost every character that you see regardless of timeline. And it's totally accidental, but it's in the script, meaning that it was planned. Oh, yeah. Right. And I really enjoy that. It allows the viewer to to jump into the storyline, especially about characters that we're compelled to want to know something about, which we'll get to in just a minute. And again, the, 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 the forcing of contemplation of what if is something that's always worked inside of printed comic books, i.e. the Marvel Comics What If series. Right, yes. Uh, we'll include a link to that. Again, we've done that several times inside of the previous Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts. We'll do it again for this episode. And I want all of you to go back and check out the litany of what if comics that are available for those completely unfamiliar and only swimming inside of what Marvel gives you inside of the cinematic universe. You guys are missing out. The, oh yeah. The, the value of the what if line of comics. I mean, it is extraordinary stuff. Think of something goony and they've probably done a, a what if <laughs> comic about it. And again, we'll, we'll include a link because we just, I don't want to take the time to run through everything that I can remember. That'd be a but whole podcast in it, and of itself. And really, the week, that might be something we could do in the off season too to run through some, maybe yeah. the top 10 or whatever. But it is, it is an extraordinary series and something completely outside the box that utilizes stuff inside the box to stretch the box. I would consider this episode doing exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. which is why I included this point inside the, the outline. <laughs> Then, sit well. Well, and here he is. Except, of course, he's younger and more hair. More hair. More hair. But the ears, same. Uh, lighter, young, or darker, younger complexion, there. Absolute attitude found completely there. The little laughing jokes to, you're going to be middle management, that totally there. His progression throughout the front end of this episode absolutely spot on there's no question oh my god it's sitwell i think i think if you'd have paused the screen and asked me okay so if we're 28 years beforehand who's that and i think you and i would have sat there and go okay so what that's general hale right well hale's hydra well that's got to be sitwell then right and that's again the magic of brilliant casting bringing in the people that can not only do the job not only look the job but pull off the script to do the job because they look it and act like the character is supposed to act. Mm. Love it. My thing was is that I had no idea that there was an academy. 
I didn't. I don't I didn't, think any of us did. And that, I, but that's that's the thing. Isn't that the wonder of this ep, of this episode, along with everything else that they're conjuring? Exactly. This the show itself is a nice companion to the cinematic universe, and then ever ever so often, it adds to it. You know, an episode, sure, okay, it adds to the mythos of of everything that's going on, but this episode adds to the universe. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that there was a Hydra school. Mm -hmm. We should have. It kind of seems stupid that there wouldn't be a Hydra Academy. Mm -hmm. There was a S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. So that makes sense for us to see a young Sitwell. Oh, okay, so he wasn't always in S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, I always assumed, oh, okay, so he was in the academy. Somebody approached him, hey, do you like do you like the way things are going? No? Well, how'd you like to do it our way? Oh, okay, Hail Hydra. No, he went to school. So it makes even the character of Sitwell even worse that he was that he went to school and put on that damn uniform and hailed Hydra every morning. So long story short, this is a great episode because we learn more about the world it's the world it's world building mm-hmm. it's it's especially world building where hydra is concerned because and it's even mentioned in this episode we thought we were done with hydra yeah I remember adding on to the red room around the time of age of ultron remember that with the the young russian agent girl? carter yeah or agent carter right agent carter was adding to the stories the of the myth yeah. the, the mythos yeah. of Black Widow. And I really enjoy this episode because there's at least a couple of times where it almost looks like it's leading the way. We we get to a segment inside of what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. And I had to look twice at the configuration of the ship that we'll talk about is shown. Because, again, is it becoming the tip of the spear towards the run to infinity? Mm. I love everything that this episode does because of little tiny bits like that and the ones that you mentioned. Revisiting Whitehall. Again, brilliant. The the ability to bring back characters that are long since dead or cast aside or right. disappeared or just a, an in, a total intention to revisit and bringing them back and then giving them more meat to add on to, again, one of my favorite words, the skeleton of what is Marvel and it packing on more meat that you can then refer back to and use as a storytelling device. It's another great wonder here inside this episode. This is one of the reasons why a show that runs for longer than two years, when you can feed back in on yourself, Mm -hmm. this is how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it almost feels like the last two seasons... And I was I, I was thinking of this while I'm watching this episode, and Whitehall shows up, and I'm like, "Holy shit, it is Whitehall!" Yeah, yeah. Not some actor that they're getting to play a younger one. It's it's why it's the actor who played Whitehall mm-hmm. or in in the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, why couldn't the earlier episodes of the show, season one, season two, be as good as meaty as they're making it now? What the hell? What or what the hell, man? Why, why did it take so long it's, isn't to that, get so good? Isn't that always the question inside of especially television programming? There there are seasons of programs. In fact, there are whole programs where it's like they just never really got the tires on the car right. Yeah. And it travels, and then you look at the tires, and the tires are all wrinkled and 
Some of them are flat, and you don't even know. In fact, one, there's a, one riding an entire rim because mm. the wheels come off, and right. nobody paid attention to it, or nobody complained, or nobody really cared about where the vehicle was going or how it was going to get there. It seems to me that this one has been given enough care and attention and been fostered along enough by the larger properties that, that help to spill down into it that it can travel not only as a supporting element, but on its own, which is, again, that, that tip of the spear piece mm-hmm. yeah. that happens inside this episode, I think is brilliant. Yeah. There is no other property inside of Marvel where you can go, hey, look, it's the Hydra Academy. No, that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, period, paragraph. It's not You're not going to find it anywhere else. Mm. And that it can be that front-end, tip-of-the-spear stuff that stokes what's going to happen in future Marveldom. Thumbs up! <laughs> then... Strucker. Well, here again in the span of three episodes, I love referring to this guy because he's quickly becoming the character that's going to be eclipsed post death in regard to time being on screen than he was inside of the feature film where they murdered him. And again, it was terrible that he gets such the shaft inside of Age of Ultron. Yeah. But it's wonderful. That he's given meat like this prior to his way too soon death inside of Age of Ultron. Well, I mean, it also it also paints a picture of oh yeah, well you're a little weasel during your academy years, so yeah, of course you're going to grow up to be a little weasel as well. Right. And the fact that you know they refer yeah yeah he is the he's he's going to be the head of Hydra. Sure, yes, he is being groomed to, to be the leader. But he's not always going to be the leader. Right. And I love how that that's even worked into the narrative of the story to where you're like, oh, so it was kind of like the old ways because his father and his father before him and da 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 kind of a legacy type of deal. But where where Whitehall was concerned, Whitehall was changing things. And I think that was the interesting that was the most interesting thing about his scenes in this episode that you actually got to see why Whitehall was so different than just your goose-stepping Hydra thugs. Mm-hmm. The show has shown us that there's the cult group that Powers Booth was a part of, and you know they worshipped the the monolith, and they were all about, ooh, Hive, bring Hive in, he will cleanse it, da-da-da-da-da. Then there was the, hail Hydra, we're Hive Nazis over here. Uh, goose-steppers. And then you've got Whitehall, who kind of was like this weird mixture of the two. It's a hybrid. And I love how they set up the ideas of how there could be other powered people showing up later on down the road. Mm -hmm. It's a brilliant world-building episode. And a part of me kind of feels like shit is so good right now that this is the end. They're making this fifth season so good that they're going to end the damn show. Mm. It makes me sad, man. It doesn't makes make, me sad. It doesn't make me sad. In fact, if it had to go out and it was this strong, you can at least say that. I mean, Go the, out on top? Eh. Not only go out on top, but as you were just running through your little soliloquy there, what I was thinking was that if we can make this show as it exists, even if it does end at the end of this season, yeah. the engineer of what needs to happen inside a very soon future moviedom, mm-hmm. I am absolutely fine with that. There, there's a whole bunch. We've talked about this a couple of times before, and it's where if we were able to take Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and put it into the mix 
like they've done with the run to or the the road to infinity listings that you can find online. We'll we'll link off to one of them. Right. Where not only is it the Marvel movies in order, but then also the seminal episodes of Agents of Shield that definitely complement and foster along the storytelling of what you're watching in Prelude to Infinity War. Well, I love that. Mm. I, I love that we can point back to episodes inside of what you see, whether it be Agent Carter, whether it be something inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cone of the last three, four episodes, or even something going back as far as I've seen at least two or three episodes, where it refers back to season one of this program. Yeah. And season one of this program was thin. It, Very. It was absolutely thin, but it's because it was just being built. There was no tapestry except for what was inside of the Marvel Universe. But even that, it was not recent. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the fifth season of this program, is so few years ago, that it being this strong so quickly is an excellent indicator of why to keep it so that it can foster and fold in more stuff as the engineer program as it's showing itself it is today inside this episode. Fine acting by young Hale. I wasn't sure that I included it in here, so I did. (laughs) And I just, again, wanted to exemplify that young Hale inside of this episode is tremendous. Everything from just the acting that's done to the almost accidental, oh yeah, I murdered my animal because that's a piece of the job. It's not focused on it all inside of this. And paying that off so that it's not stupid, but that it is still an incredibly fundamental building block of how people are built inside of Hydra, especially inside the, the, the academy that we're now introduced to. All the way through to the weight room scene, to the confronting Strucker immediately thereafter, to the what ifs that can happen after everything's going. Where are they going to go? What kind of jobs are you going to get? What options do you have as a now incredibly detailed member of the Hydra continuum? All of those things are excellently showcased by a very young talent. And that's where you know that there is an extraordinary piece of something being developed here. So that whole throat slitty thing of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I just, I do not see that. Unless you're going to disband the entire writing staff, get rid of everybody that's in casting, and then take all of your special effects over to the team that handled Alone in the Dark, then I don't think there's anything to worry about in regard to it being canceled or not being picked up again. Ruby thrashes two years ago. How about Ruby kicking ass? And what's really fun is to watch Ruby kicking real ass. Again, for those that aren't familiar, I have written for fight magazines for over a decade now. And watching people strike, obviously they're not striking them, i.e. look at the young girl stunt woman punching people. But the way that they're filming it, it allows it to be compelling where it's not just giant cowboy punches. Or well, yeah. Something, something. Hit him with a haymaker. Yeah. It's, it's nothing inane. It all looks very focused. There's a style that's put to it, and the style is something that is becoming legitimately rubies, where it is very aggressive. It's very, t- to use the point, pointed. There is a point to her striking as opposed to just, I'm going to stand in a circle and whip my heels around and everybody's going to be dead. That's not what's going on here. There is, there is precision that's guided through young Ruby slash Ruby's stunt person that is excellent, especially for a television program. And I love to see that inside of television programming because it can be and has been in many cases, frankly, mm. where it is giant haymakers, where it is cowboy punches and where you can almost hear the thing go 
You know, it's, <laughs> right, it's like a right. it's like a clacker clack. They they do have that, but not often. Mm. Not often, and in particular with like May, with uh, Daisy, Daisy, in, yeah. in seasons past, they really are providing an excellent piece of choreography. Whether it's the stunt people or the stunt people spilling that over onto the actual actors, that is incredibly endearing. Instantly gives you something else to look at inside of the show as opposed to just, okay, superpowers, check. Okay, something about Marvel compendium storytelling, check. Okay, got to have an awesome picture of Daisy, check. It becomes something that helps to foster the storytelling, and it really is well done. The Confederacy quickly inserted. For those of you that want to try and hang anything negative on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, you, sir, are an idiot. This insertion of what is the entire concept of the Confederacy is brilliant storytelling. It is so fast. It creates an envelope and drops characters and storyline in so quickly Mm -hmm. that I don't have the words to tell you how compelling it is inside this episode. That something this quick can be done inside of a television program that I, I still think is very young inside of a program like this. And I can't see this on giant, huge budget programs on any network anywhere. Crap. That is crap. And total kudos to the writing staff of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for being able to develop the concept of the Confederacy in less than two episodes. Because Wow. Anybody looking to insert something into something that's already established? I mean, it doesn't get more established than stuff inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe started in 2008. If you pedal it back a little bit, probably 2006 is when that all started swimming around inside of uh, Kevin Feige's head, probably, along with a, a select number of people that were willing to have a conversation that would be a short conversation, a muted conversation, and one that could never spill. That's awesome. And this is proof that you can in the span of less than 83 minutes, insert an entire another branch of the tree that could serve for another series of episodes, if not seasons. And not, not only that, but Brilliant. also foster the movies as well, the cinematic Absolutely. universe. Absolutely. Here's the thing that, that really ticks me off. At, at, the moment, at the moment of this recording of the podcast, the movie Captain Marvel has just gone into production as, as cameras are rolling. So there's a script. There's been a script for a while, but there's a script that they're actually filming a movie about. This movie, it has been confirmed. This movie takes place in the 90s. It is a flashback film, very similar to Captain America. It is a hidden part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe we have not seen yet. We have already been told that it's the story of how Carol Danvers becomes... Captain Marvel. Okay. We know that the inspiration for the story came from bits and pieces of the Kree Skrull War story in the Marvel comic books. Okay, well we've met the Kree. We don't like them. They're blue. They're they're assholes. The Skrulls. Well, that's a big thing. And the fact that it's being set in the 90s before technically there were superheroes running around although again as the movies continue we keep on peeling back the curtain even further we know that there was an ant man and a wasp that worked for shield back in the late 70s and in in the 80s thanks to the ant man film 
great. This confederacy screams galactic level event, i.e. Guardians of the Galaxy stuff or the coming of Thanos in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But does it? Therein, therein lies my problem. But does it? Yes. Because, yes. because the TV show and the movies, even though they exist in the same universe, if it's not reactionary, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been in the past, then it's ignored by everybody else. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just in its own little universe doing its own little thing where nobody else pays attention. Are you telling me that Maria Hill hasn't told Tony Stark that Phil Coulson is alive? I don't know. When we get into this line of thinking, though, it it, it only, it, and this isn't pointed at you, no, but yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it only erupts me because, sure, and by the way, there's probably 40 or 50 other little things that we can pile on top of that that will make this giant roaring bonfire that fosters nothing. There's, I mean, seriously. The, but what the, I'm, but what I'm saying is, is that while they're shooting this show, yeah, there's a script that tells you the secrets of the universe at this point in time in in the '90s. Right. Just realize though that this show was not filmed like two weeks ago. I, I know. Okay. But they all live in the house of mouse. You you you're telling me that Figi doesn't talk to other people. I'm telling you that the instant that Feige loses control to the mouse, we got bigger problems. The sample, Star Wars, which we're not going to talk about. We're not talking about Star Wars. Right. It's still the mouse. But my it's thing, I know, but I'm saying, okay. what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, and I've said it before and over and over till I'm blue in the face, everything should be more connected than what it actually is. Agreed. And the fact that this show, this show that could be doing so much world building, because the movies are limited. You are limited to, well, I mean, technically, if you want to make as many movies as you want, you can. But I'm saying two and a half hours, maybe three hours, you're limited to telling your story in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. Sure. This has got 22 episodes per season. Mm Mm-hmm. Imagine what you can build in right. 22 episodes if right. you're allowed to. Right. Well, just share. Yeah. Again, that's why all of the all of the leaning that you see inside of this episode is absolutely tip of spear leading. There, there's no question. You start referring to that the the one piece of this episode where the ship is shown mm-hmm. is an instant spearhead. There is nothing else to call that except the spearhead. Right. It, it, it's something that could possibly not happen. Sure. Sure. But that we're, we are at least given the moment where Coulson meets the alien, mm-hmm. uh, gives another formal construction piece of what's going to happen, and then the entire detailing of exactly what needs to happen for the Earth to be turned into crumbs. Right. The peddling into all of that is wonderful. You, you and I had hypothesized probably eight, ten episodes ago now that wouldn't it be very interesting if that the giant world destruction scene is somehow tied into something that happens inside of Infinity War so that the previous episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are actually in in its habitual sticking point of being reactionary. Mm-hmm. The difference is that the reactionary point was done in the future. They start building things like that, and I'm telling you, the wheels come off into brilliance mm-hmm. because that's awesome. The cool part is that if they don't do that, if they refer to nothing, in regard to Infinity War for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they've still got all of this that they're building that they've still got to somehow address, whether it be in the future or in the, pa- uh, the future or the now. Right. And so it's still completely untraveled path that this show conjures. 
And it, it's at least for me, it's way easier to focus on what is being conjured here, hoping that the other shows are going to pick it up. And if it doesn't, it's still that awesome. The instant you can stick a 10, a 10 inside of an episode, very much like this one, and there's still no connective tissue or direct, uh, there's a word we got to come up that's going to be that word that refers to direct connective tissue that is what you want. I don't know what it is yet, but we got to find a word for it. Maybe gold connective tissue, level level seven connective tissue, something. There's, there'll be something. something. We'll, we'll brainstorm. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a meeting. Uh, that will instantly take what they're developing here that's already awesome that already makes me want to know what is going to happen inside the next episode. And again, that, not to jump into my dossier, but that is exactly what is happening here. I get to two minutes before the episode and I go, damn, they're going to finish it soon and I'm going to have to wait a week. That's compelling. <laughs> That's compelling. That's where I do wish there was a way that we could review this show where it was just exhaustive episodes that we could pause, review the show, and then continue on to the next one. Right. It just it, it doesn't work that way, and I am so appreciative that we have the opportunity to do that here. Talbot's reduction. I can remember a time where Talbot was an incredibly daunting opponent. Hmm. And to see him reduced inside this episode, I think, is wonderful for the character of Talbot. Because there was a point inside the character of Talbot, what, maybe a half season ago, maybe a season and a half ago, where it started to get super cartoony. And I didn't much care for it. And if they had chosen to shoot him in the head and then somehow bring him back, hmm... You know, okay, it's Marvel. Okay, it's a comic book. Seems like there's a lot of shows. There, there was another show I was watching that somebody got. Oh yeah, I was watching Gotham on Fox, and mm-hmm. uh, they they shot a and it was a female bad guy. The, the female bad guy gets sh- sh- shot by a female good guy, mm-hmm. and in the head. And I'm like, oh, all right, well she's dead. And the very next scene. Well, Rushing into the hospital, pumping her chest. No, no, no. no. She's it's they're talking about the character in a different location. Time has passed. Uh, well, you know, such and such is in a deep coma right now. Oh, surprise! She's alive. Yeah, and I'm like, what, what, what? Yeah, the, the but is... this is the same thing though. Yeah. We we talked about this when they shot Talbot in the head when the LMD of Daisy. Shot Talbot in the head. It was like, oh wow, they just killed Talbot. And then by the end of the episode, like, he's in, he's in a deep, deep coma and critical mm-hmm. condition. Oh, and my. we were both kind of like, what? Well, okay, the character's not gone, but come on. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was in the head. Yeah. There's a, and I, I know, I know way too many law enforcement folks that could chime in for us to tell us that you know, headshot is never good. No. But there are X factors inside of being shot in the head. In particular, what kind of gun it was, how close the how close the person was when they were shooting, mm-hmm. how dense is the bone structure inside of someone's face, how thick is their jawbone, all the mandible, all that. Right, right. All of this really there does matter. There are possibilities. Yeah. But w- when you start talking like from like the eyes up to the top of the head, around the back of the head in a band, nothing good happens when you get shot in those places. Right. And so the faster that they leave the propensity to do that inside of, especially something Marvel's Marvel, mm-hmm. I'm 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 elated. I, I, it, it's it's such a you don't need to go there moment, especially if all you're going to do is okay, well, let's throw him into a coma for ten episodes. 
let's not throw him into a coma for 10 episodes. Let's either, let's kill the character, let's find a different character to get shot so that we can kill them, right. or something different. There needs to be an option. I, I wish I could remember what we said about Talbot's being shot, because I, I, I honestly don't remember. We talked about it a couple of uh, episodes ago, earlier on, because I had mentioned that the actor had moved on to a different show. Mm. He was on Supergirl. He was a bad guy on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So is that contract now finished? I, evidently. Or there was some downtime. Conflict or whatever. Well, okay. no. I mean, there's some. there might have been some downtime. He could have. He, he can be playing both sides of the field. Okay. Really, all it all it is about scheduling. Who knows if we're going to see Talbot again after this? I mean, it, it looked pretty dire for him by the end of this episode. Yeah, but it was nice that we're not only reminded, oh yeah, you know, he got shot in the head, but he's alive. Yeah, and he's still Talbot. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one thing that I was I was really grateful about this is because we were reminded. Yeah. Of the character of Talbot, and and I don't know if it's the actor's choice, if it's the director's choice, or or the writers are telling him, you know, this is this is originally how the character was. The way Adrian Pesdar is portray- has been portraying Talbot and continues to portray Talbot is almost the classic comic book version of General Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. Talbot was actually Ross's number two. He he was his Riker for the longest time in the comic books. Mm-hmm. He, and and I can understand why you wouldn't want a, a, a brilliant actor like William Hurt, you know, tarnation and then crap like that. But give it to Talbot, who's kind of a, and I will actually kind of steal your your thing. He is kind of a cartoon version yeah. of General Ross, mm-hmm. but I think in a good way. In a good way that gives the show a little flavor, a little color, a little something different. I mean, he doesn't act like any other character we have on this show, right? Which, which, I, which I appreciate. A, a supposition, real quick, and okay. that we know his ability to manage anger mm. has been compromised completely by a shot to the head. Mm-hmm. A supposition. What if they revisit? The envisioning of a Hulk character, not the Hulk, obviously, because right. it's not Bruce Banner. But if they take the activation moments of what happens to be one of the other many myriad of Hulk mm-hmm. characters, I think that that would be a very interesting choice here. I think what would good side get sideways is that you've got to conjure then the special effects budget right. to have something that is the Red Goliath or the Gray Goliath, whatever whatever direction it would go. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, basically in the comic books, it was revealed that the original Red Hulk was General Ross. It was yeah. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. Well, and now, of course, you don't want to do that in, well, in the can. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Well, they could if they wanted to, but you, you don't want... I wouldn't want them. I like having Ross as the Secretary of Defense yeah. and him running the raft. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, I and, and I don't think we need to go Red Hulk mm-hmm. storyline for him. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. We have a perfect we have a character here who and you don't have to have him as big and as menacing as a Hulk, but he could definitely be Hulk-ish. Yes, but he cannot be sister's shirt with <laughs> chubby yeah. eyebrows. Right, we cannot we cannot uh bring in uh, Kyle McLaughlin and his horrible <laughs> Mr. Hyde look. I, I can't even call him Mr. Bushy, Hyde. Bushy, but yeah. 
bushy terrible. eyebrows and and the shirt that's two yeah. sizes too small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I would love that. And I thought the instant that I saw that he was having management problems with the anger. Of the yeah, I'm like, hmm. Very very interesting. Yeah. It would have to be pedaled very very carefully. But I I would have no problem. I'd be with fine that at with all. it too. Yeah. yeah. Phil gets educated. Few characters inside the Marvel Universe can get educated as well as Phil Coulson. This is a total nod to the actor that plays Phil Coulson because he is extraordinarily interesting to watch while he's learning. I absolutely love when we can just have a, a story peddled and you're watching what's happening to Phil Coulson and you're instantly engaged. I can't explain it. There, there are. I don't know another character inside of Agents of Shield that I can sit and watch being told something, and I'm instantly engaged. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Maybe Daisy every now and then, but it's not. It's not. It's not the thing about her being told something and we're watching her uh, soaking it up like a sponge. There's something that is happening when Phil Coulson is told information inside of the show that is instantly more interesting that I absolutely love. And it may just be Clark Gregg's charisma. It's be something. Because, it's something. because again, it's, it's, it's... It has to spill into the same reason why he was not instantly murdered off and left murdered inside of Avengers. Mm. It has to... There's something. I, I can't put my finger on it. I, I, it can't just be that he is a, a, a super foundational piece of Marveldom. Because he is. Mm -hmm. Been around since the absolute dawn of what we're looking yeah. at here. It, it, there's something else. There's something else, and that, that's why that whole fear of him potentially being gone at the end of the season, that, that really does weigh heavily, and that's maybe that's a, a reason why. I'm not entirely sure. I, I wanted to throw it to the audience, unless you've got some other tidbit. No, throw it to the audience. Okay. There's, there's, he's captivating, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he, he's absolutely wonderful. And I captain, know, my captain. <laughs> he's absolutely captain-evading, <laughs> and I want to know what you guys think of Clark Gregg's portrayal, and particularly just while he's listening and taking in information, because he's just he's so got me. Uh, let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside of the threads or start your own and tell us what you think about the receptive skills of one Phil Coulson. Talking tech. The device. What can I possibly say about the production designers of this program except wow. This screams again of the device that was created during the, the Ghost Rider season, where the device, it looks like something that's created inside of high-end stagecraft for an incredibly ornate play, and it's incredibly well done. It does exactly what it needs to. It's enhanced just enough with a tiny little bit of CG, and it absolutely has you. In addition to that, you've got dun dun dun, Clark Gregg, taking in all of the fake CGI-ery that isn't there, providing a wonderful graft and tapestry to watch and engage and, and wonder what those dials say. And you, I mean, you hear her saying the words longitude, latitude, altitude, and you, you are instantly captivated. It's a piece of that expository information that gets so stupid and dry in other shows, but it absolutely captivates you inside this episode. The wacky thing about it is that especially with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the movies. And in the movies, yes, they have higher, bigger budgets so they can do pull off more. You would think 
that a device that allows people to transport themselves across the galaxy in some way, shape, or form, however they're doing it, would look more alien and high-tech. But the beauty of what they've done on this show for this and past devices, uh, like you were saying, when they were creating the gateway Mm -hmm. during the Ghost Rider uh, story arc. I'll tell you what, even since... uh, Even the monolith, uh, that contraption that they had in the castle to get the monolith to work. All of the 084 stuff. All of the 084 stuff is all awesome. My thing is, is, though, is that none of it has ever been super high-tech sci-fi space-looking. I think one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm so endeared to it is it's almost as if somebody went back into Jack Kirby's sketchbook and said, that, that's what I want for my device. Because it's it's a classic, very hands-on, dirty look. It doesn't look science fiction. Right. But right. it's functional, yeah, and it's captivating to what yeah. you're looking at, it and you're you're just wondering how do, how is that going to work? Okay, so she turned to him. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Turn dials. Wow, okay, so aliens like dials. But then on the top of it, you've got the holographic images popping up. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay, so this is alien. All right, uh, 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 yeah. okay. This this reminds me of a play, and I think about this every time I think about high end stagecraft. There was a play in high school, and I've forgotten the name of it. I, uh, my, my, my cohorts in drama will never forgive me. But there was a play in drama. I was not a piece of the staff nor the crew inside of it. And so all I did was watch it that mm. year. And what I remember most is that it was about a spy. So there was a spy, the guy that was the actor, his real name is Dan. I don't remember who he played, but he played a spy. And they had created this wonderful piece of stagecraft that was this kick-ass Bond-esque car where he could sit in and have somebody inside the the second seat and it looked like he was sitting in a car. Now, Mm. obviously it wasn't. It didn't move. There wasn't any green screen. None of that. But with lighting and him in it and whomever was in the seat and doing enough of the whole leaning left and leaning right appropriately on the right times was half of what they sold. The second half of what they sold, though, was they'd have Dan and whomever else was in the car, depending on what, what, what the story called for, they'd have them on the left-hand side of the stage with the lights shining on them with the lights flying by looking like they, they were in, in travel mode. Mm-hmm. And then what they would do is, during their little repartee of whatever they were talking about, the light would come off of the car with Dan and whoever was riding in it. And then a miniaturized mountain next to it would light up. And it would be him traveling down this spiral mountain. Yeah. And then when they got down to the bottom, they would light the backside up, and then the, the background of the car traveling would change. So that you every time he goes back to his lair, they have this little piece of mountain that's rolled out. So you have that, that quick little cool. okay. 18, 20-second travel scene. And what they were doing was they were using that as the space so they could change out the scene behind them. Mm-hmm. So it was the quick 20, 30-second travel scene to allow for the background or the, the, the sets behind them to be changed out. Yeah. It was absolutely magical. And that is exactly what a device like this does for you as well. It, it, it takes up all of your attention span. You're not looking at anything else on screen at all when, no. when this yeah. is on. Yeah, exactly. You are yeah. looking at the device. You maybe are looking at Danny slash Catherine Dent over there jiggering with it. But what... I know what I was looking at. I was looking at the dials trying to figure out what exactly they said. Mm. And if she hadn't said longitude, latitude, altitude, 
I would have been sitting there pausing the window to try and figure out what they said. Right. That's brilliance. That's that's production design brilliance and that's story writing brilliance because you are engaging the people that are watching intentionally. If they had said nothing, I guarantee you there are people just like you and I that would be sitting there for 20, 25 minutes trying to figure out what the little dials say that they can figure it out and get someplace. Yeah. And you don't have to because of what's mentioned, but you would if it wasn't. And that's the piece of engaging production design that is showcased here just utmost level really well done we've talked a lot about this piece of talking tech i.e the device but we're wondering what you saw that was interesting inside this episode there were plenty of all kinds of interesting tech moments inside of this episode let us know what you thought was an interesting piece of tech inside this episode by talking about it with us go to agentsofshield.tv click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what do you think talbot has spilled the beans it's a red flag day for Talbot. <laughs> there are a number of things that can happen here, most of which are not good for the character of Talbot and his longevity inside of the series, in particular becoming the Rolk or yeah. something else. But I thought it was ballsy that they bothered to say that he, he blabbed. He absolutely blabbed. He dumped his whole repartee, and I wanted to make sure that we talked about that because that – don't often have that inside of a show. Typically what will happen is someone will say, uh, we found the blah, and they'll do a sweet pan across all of the other characters and they'll all kind of look at each other. And then you'll find one that is kind of, you know, sitting with their 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 chin in their in their lap. Yeah. And then you'll know, okay, well, this whole, that whole paradigm is completely reversed inside of this scene where he literally just, he, he tells them, I gave it up. I gave up all of it. I love that as a viewer of this program. It's also heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. But also slap a realism as well. Totally. Totally. Because, I mean, they, they could have written the character, yeah, steel trap. No, Nobody's getting nothing out of me. Torture me all you want. And sure, there in some circles there are characters that wouldn't break. Mm -hmm. Captain America. Mm -hmm. Steve Rogers isn't going to spill anything. He can do this all day. General Talbot, especially after a head injury, yeah, I could see it happening. And he was a prisoner for six months. I, he, I, you know what? And I bet he held out for as long as he could. Mm -hmm. But it humanizes the character more. Yeah, it yeah. takes down the it takes down his cartooniness one notch, two notches, three notches. Boom! He's a broken, tortured man. And I think I th I really hope that we actually can now see a redemption in for his own eyes. A redemption for Talbot in the future. I want us to rescue. I want Shield to rescue Talbot and Colson, of course. And I want Talbot to move past this and be a better, a, a better general, a better hero. I want him to heal. I don't want him to be a broken man. He was already a broken man. He was on his way to recovery, and now he's broken again. Ah, yeah. What I don't want to have happen though is I don't want a building dropped on him. <laughs> Because, you know, if, if we had to go back to some of the very few negative pieces of what I think has been any at all negative storytelling across Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the last four seasons, got to tell you, killing off the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. inside of a building drop, pretty stupid. Uh, what are you talk, you're talking about how Mace went out? Yeah. I think you're more upset about how bad the CGI was. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. I, th I think you were. Because the inside stuff, 
of, of you know building falling down that was primo it looked like a building was coming down outside mm. not so much mm. having to collect all the tools possible i love it when the sides realize that there is a larger goal regardless of the storyline regardless of the property regardless of who is saying it and they realize that it's time to go into the entire store as opposed to going to in a department to collect tools to achieve a goal. Anytime you see that done effectively in a movie, very often the movie is done wonderfully. Mm-hmm. There are a series of there are a series of movies, probably the most one of the most impactful is one called The Dirty Dozen. For those of you that are completely unfamiliar with The Dirty Dozen or Guns of Navarone or a number of films inside of that genre. What they do is they take a number of different actors, all of which that have specific skill sets, and smash them all together to achieve a common goal. Even though all of them aren't all on board, even though all of them aren't on the, quote, same side, even though many of them don't like each other, like, at all, like, they would murder the other dude. But they know that to get through and everybody lives, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you got to depend on the other dude that has the skill set that you don't. Mm -hmm. Anytime that they do that, Inside of any storytelling, you almost always got me. There's another movie I always think about, and it's called The Score. Score is a Robert De Niro... Ed Norton. Ed Norton vehicle. And that's another one where it is it is a heist-slash-caper movie, but it's way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a very good movie. And that one is another one where there are a number of people that have different skill sets, and they all have to somehow join together. Uh, it was the other piece of uh, what I really enjoyed about The Town, Ben Affleck who not only starred in that film, but also directed Also directed, yeah. Uh, I love it when there are a troop of people, all of whom have a different skill set or like skill set, that can be a redundancy in case one of the team fails or doesn't do what they're supposed to, and so someone else can pick up the flag and continue on. That is exactly what we see being built here. And so that that is allowed to develop like like a wine at the beginning of this episode and then continue to build on through into whatever we're going to see across the episodes. I love that. I absolutely love that because it, it not only does it lend itself to there is going to be time to see this stuff happen, but it's also endearing. It's the whole reason why you watch a show like this. It's a seed that's dropped and now you get to watch the seed grow and then you get to latch onto one of the vines and you get to ride the vine. Cannot wait. True, true. Problem is, though, is that if Daisy is going to utilize all of the tools possible to solve this mystery and 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 get this job done, she is going to have to listen to Fitz. Because we talked about it in the last episode. What Fitz did, the way he did it, might have been wrong. But what he did, no, not wrong at all. Right. He solved the problem. Right. And you needed to have the bad guy to come yeah. in and solve the problem because Fitz couldn't do it himself. Right. Absolutely right. right. So if if Daisy is going to utilize all the tools at her disposal, Fitz is a tool. Yes. That not yeah. literally. Well, literally, some could think literally, yes. but also figuratively. So it's 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 a piece of the it's a piece of the combination that's got to be done mm-hmm. to get the lock to open. Yes. Having to consider us a relationship where the other multi tool drops. Another piece of wondrous storytelling here where. I have no idea what Simmons is going to start saying when she comes inside the room, mm-hmm. like at all. In fact, there was a piece of that. There was just this tiny little beat inside the front end 
where I thought she was going to be a piece of fear dimension, which we don't have to worry about now because the crack is closed. So that's awesome. But there was enough there to make you wonder. (laughs) So anyway, we, we, we know that we're, we're by that. And so not knowing at all what's going to be said here was incredibly endearing storytelling. As it spills longer into what we see here, we see another grand building block that's delivered to Fitz pretty much over the head. There was no deduction that needed to be here. And that the production design team was able to give Fitz in his hand, courtesy of Simmons, two multi-tools that are the same multi-tool, except, of course, that one is 100-plus years old. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Fitz's reaction inside of this, brilliant. Brilliant. The fact that he needs to lean on that Deke as his grandson is the is the over the head. But moment, he's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> is wonderful. It's a it's a piece of compelling storytelling that helps reassert that Fitz is a a piece of the tapestry of this program that he is incredibly human, and that in addition to being the grandfather of Deke, yes, he also is Doctor Leopold. I, I thought that this scene was yeah. just tremendous. Uh, I'm. I was I was interested on how they were playing it earlier in the episode, kind of doing the whole Hannibal Lecter, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to use his brilliance slash evil hydra-ness to our advantage. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that, that makes sense. I'm glad that that stopped. Yeah, me too. If we were going to have five episodes of okay, well, let's go see what to, you know what what Doctor Fitz things. Yeah, get him behind the the glass with the circles exactly. in it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, if if I'm we were going to have with that. five uh, five episodes yeah. with that, uh, that would have been too much though. Yeah. No, I'm I'm I'm, so I'm glad that they they took the route that they did because by the end of this episode, it's it's Fitz again. It is Fitz. Here's the thing: it's Fitz is Fitz, but he's also Doctor Leopold. What he needs to deal with is the fact that he is both. Yeah. He can't choose which one to be. He has to, he ha- eventually, and I, I really hope that, that it goes this way, he has to come to terms that he is both. And and he's either going to have to uh, if, metaphorically merge the two, or he's going to constantly be at odds with himself mm-hmm. and with everybody else. I, 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 we we talked about it before, but there's something to be said again for the diet of the mind, mm. and I think that that is probably where we will go because it's way more compelling storytelling wise. The process and power of being invincible. This is very interesting, and it will provide people. A two-sided coin, although there's probably a multi-sided die that's a more appropriate analogy here, but we're going to use a coin. A two-sided eventuality that can happen here. One is that because we know and have interacted with the future and come back to a previous time, no matter what we do, we're going to live. And then the other side of the coin is, no, you're not. And I am a giant fan of, oh, no, you're not. It, it is the sample of what has been depicted inside of eventual Terminator options that really is compelling. Yeah. You get into the third Terminator film and it becomes all you've got to do is make sure that John Connor lives. No, that's that's not how it works. It is not the no fate but what you make. It is something way more expansive 
than just making sure that John Connor doesn't die and you make sure that the Terminator threats are gone. That's what I really liked about the third film that doesn't divorce it from the other ones, but tell, begins allows there to be a different story told, especially as you end the film. I, that I love about it. But I also love the endearment of everything that was created inside of the first two Terminator films. Yeah. There is this sphere that's created inside of the land of Terminator mythos. Mm-hmm. And you have no faith but what we make. So we got to make sure that John Connor doesn't get dead. we got to make sure that Sarah Connor lives as long as humanly possible and doesn't die because of Terminator intervention. And then everything's going to work out just fine. And I love the juggling act that your brain gets to do with things like that. And so when they... When she says to Fitz, we're invincible. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing we can do that it's all going to go wrong because we've got to be around. And I think that giving that power and, and sitting on it as a parapet is an incredibly dangerous thing. Because it all can turn on a dime. True. True. Yeah. Well, though, I mean, going back to your Terminator, your Terminator sphere, you also got to think about it this way. To protect his mother from being killed by a Terminator, old man John Connor sends one of his best soldiers, Kyle Reese, back in time to protect his mom, Mm -hmm. who ends up boning his mom and being his dad. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what if Kyle Reese was never sent back in time? John Connor's never born, so then it doesn't matter. So there's a paradox in and of itself. The first movie creates a paradox in and of itself anyway. Right. Which then makes you believe that the future in which old man John Connor is sending his his best soldier, Kyle Reese, back in time to protect his mother is already an alternate future. Mm-hmm. Making the... And, and the, the great thing about it is, is that if you take the first two films, they fit perfectly and you could end it and never talk about it ever again. Boom. Or start a new franchise on it. Or... <laughs> right. Uh, the, the thing where this is concerned is, is... And I love time travel. But this is... This is a very... It's a slippery slope. Because when our characters came back to the present... We saw a glimpse of the future without the minute and nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no way in the world that there's going to be a crumbled earth. At least not in this reality. I'm more of the mind to believe in alternate timelines and alternate paths. I believe there is a future where shit goes sideways and the the world does turn into crumbs of earth. Mm -hmm. But... I've I've always been taught that the the sheer interaction with the future, one way or the other, has already changed it completely. Mm-hmm. So so far they're playing it they're playing it fast and loose, but also close to the vest mm-hmm. where the oh. the writers are concerned. So I'm I'm trusting them. I'm yeah. trusting and, them. Well, and that you care. Yes, there are there are. There are time travel storytelling storylines inside Mm. of a variety of different programs where I've been watching. And because they start getting way too loose, they start just doing whatever comes to mind or Mm. whatever that that particular week's writing team chooses to conjure. You lose it. It becomes so many different options and what ifs and, well, it doesn't really matter because this isn't the story we're telling. Or now you got to remember that four episodes ago we started talking about blah. I don't ever want to partake in things like that. Mm. 
mostly because I don't ever want to get to the piece of an episode where I go, right, but back in episode 13 of season whatever, and then, of course, back in season whatever of during episode whatever, those two episodes mixed together mean that right now we, I don't ever want to play that game. Yeah. I Never. Inside of any episode or 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 environment of storytelling, because I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy <laughs> that I, I'm very good at like um, storyline trivia. So the next generation stuff, you can go back inside of much of the next generation series of Star Trek, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. Same with DS9. But like time travel, twisty turniness inside of a series of episodes, like a um, like sliders, for example. Ooh, no, seats. Did I, I know? I know my sliders trivia. Okay, well, I, and I don't, and it's because they got so strange. There's probably a better analogy, a better, a better property that has time jump so much that I just bailed on it, and I don't remember. Well, there's there's actually one that uh, just came out uh, in 2017 on Hulu. It was a Hulu exclusive. It was actually called Future Man. Future Man. Okay. Uh, only one season. I I want to say 12 episodes. Uh, hard R comedy. So I mean, if you're don't watch it with the kids, mm -hmm. uh, but it is clever. Mm. And they... there's another one called Travelers. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I have Ch no check Travelers. Out, check out that one. The first seventy five percent of the first season of that I yeah. thought was really really good. Okay. And it also is time travel. It's also eventuality based. Mm -hmm. And the mechanics of the time travel are not dumb. That that's the, okay. that's another piece of time travel slash that, that I really appreciate here too. That whole traveling across time slash space asterisk is done really really well here because right. of that kick ass device. There's yeah, no, yeah, no you, question. Give me a monolith any day yeah. or a DeLorean. Yeah, we, we we've talked a lot about the different things that happened about being invincible inside this episode. But I'm super curious what you guys think about the concept that. Simmons shares here that you know the two of them are essentially invincible because Deke exists and hey by the way we've been to the future. Let us know what you think by going to our website that's over agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right hand side of the page, fill out the quick contact form and let us know what you think. Time to pay the bills. We will be right back. Hostage and crisis negotiations are some of the most demanding jobs in law enforcement. I'm Pat Doring, crisis negotiator, and inside my new book, Crisis Cops, you'll learn more about the perspective I and my fellow negotiators experience when it comes to bridge jumpers, a hostage taker, or those who are contemplating suicide. From origin stories from the initial beginnings of hostage crisis negotiations across the country to the art form that has become today, you'll learn all about it inside of Crisis Cops the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com The one question each podcaster should be asking themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast here. I've podcasted and edited for over a decade, and I know what an hour and a half podcast turns into 
when you get in front of the editing stack. Let me tell you, it's not an hour and a half. It's closer to probably double that time. Are you ready to hand off the time you're wasting editing your own podcast? Looking for a cost-effective solution that doesn't break the bank but gives you super experienced quality podcasting back to you in a short period of time? Be sure to check out The Editor Core. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. It doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security and law enforcement during the Free Field Training Podcast. FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. That's FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 15, Rise and Shine. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find an interesting character portrayal an actor's elegance, or something else that tripped our collective review evening fantastic. Nick, what have you got? My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with the origin of General Hale. Bravo. This is a character that when we were introduced to her earlier in the season, in the episode Rewind, we didn't know what to think, but we had a lot of hopes. We had a lot of aspirations for her to be our, our villain going forward after our heroes return from the future and uh, wish granted. But this episode, and, and, and here's where this episode could have been completely and utterly goony. Anytime you try to humanize your villain and make them sympathetic, and you try to do it in just one episode, it can go off the rails yeah. real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it happens in comic books a lot too. Mm -hmm. It's oh, so ooh, such a such a bad guy. Ooh, he's so evil. And then hey, in this special issue, we're going to show you why he's so evil. And you go, oh, it's because somebody killed its kitten. Oh no. Well, I feel sorry for him. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. This this was a woman. This was a young woman. Had a purpose. Knew what she wanted in life. Mm -hmm. Hail Hydra. Mm -hmm. I'm going to serve any way that I can. Even when her superiors say, well, 
you're great and all, but all we really want to use is your womb. You're going to be the incubator for the next great Hydra leader. Mm -hmm. Not you, your uterus. You, you, that's all we w really want. And then the character rises in the ranks in the Air Force and, and becomes a force to be reckoned with within what remains of Hydra. Literally, when you think about it, Hale and her daughter, Ruby, are all that is left of Hydra. That's what this episode basically told us. That That's it. It's just the two of them now. There's a theme in this episode, spe specifically through the, the flashbacks of even though this is Hydra and they're very progressive and they don't necessarily look down at women, she's the only woman graduating. And she's the only woman who has risen to a certain level. The th and, and the theme is, is that women empowerment. Yes, of course we, of course we need to have that theme. Uh, the thing is, though, is that it doesn't beat you over the head with it mm -hmm. because this show has never painted women as inferior. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm -hmm. It's one. It's one of the greatest things about this show. We have not only do we have great characters, we have great female heroes, mm -hmm. female role models. Mm -hmm. These characters are built up to where yes, they ha they are flawed. They're not comic book characters they're fleshed out and i love that mm -hmm. and they do it even with their villains and that's what we have here i almost i almost wanted to give a, a big fat x to this episode as we start seeing more of general hale's rise because i'm like oh you're trying to make me feel sorry for this character so that i'll understand her point of view and you'll get me on her side just like she's trying to get Coulson. No, that's not going to happen. Get get out of here. You know what? By the end of the uh, by the end of the episode, just before we figure out, oh, oh, it's Hale. Hale's going to be the one that is responsible for crumbs of earth. I was on her side. I understood what she was trying to do. And it wasn't that they were trying to create a sympathetic character. The scary thing about her character is is that her character is right. Mhm. Mm they have to do something, mm -hmm. despite the fact that they're on one, one salutes one flag and one salutes the other. She's right. Now, of course, she's going about it wrong. And there's the stubbornness and the pigheadedness that is part of her character that we see that she had back in the Academy. So it's not like something that's just thrown in there at the very last minute to where she doesn't want to listen to Coulson. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's part of her character. Right. She is stubborn. She she's very bullheaded. Okay. Now, how many episodes have we had General Hale? Let's say so far this is episode 15 of this season. So four? Mm -hmm. Four episodes? Mm -hmm. And she's already built herself up in my mind as one of the great antagonists of Agents of Shield. Mm -hmm. She is right up there with Hive. She is right up there with Hydra Ward. She is right up there with Ada. And only four to five episodes of her being around. Mm -hmm. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Yeah, there's something that you mentioned here, the fact that she's right and that she is the woman that's needed for the job that is incredibly compelling, mostly mm. because on the other side, we got Fitz. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, very dark history, though. Fitz's obviously was inserted slash 
fabricated. Framework. Well, not, not framework fabricated. There we yeah. go. That, that's, that's a nice framework way of generated. Saying it. Yeah, yeah, framework generated. Yeah, that's that's fair. But anyway, that that is what instantly compels the teeter totter here inside of what's going on inside of the story. But that, that's a wonderful dossier. It's, an, uh, it's a villain you can <clears throat> understand. Mm-hmm. You, well, you can nod. You can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it, she's it, not wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, that is exactly what's going on with her. My my dossier actually has two parts. The first Ooh. part focuses on something that we really didn't focus on at all inside of our review, which is when I love our dossier points. Mm-hmm. And it is the flavor of yo-yo to come. They have given this character now a hundred plus years plus 43 times three dash four episodes to marinate in what's going to happen when she has no arms. Mm. And I love that they've given her that. I think it could probably go more, but I get I get why it's got to got to put it in play and then maybe some either rehab or time to have a couple of funky jazzerphonic test outings to see what happens and how she can best utilize them and because she's so fast it's going to it's all going to modulate faster blah, 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 whatever the tech speak is going to be. But what I really appreciated was that one it's not they're not hitting us over the head with it at all. Mm. I'm so appreciative of that because I, she's already sympathetic. You chop someone's arms off. Hey, look, I'm sympathetic. Right. As she waves her no arms. Yes. I totally agree with that. Uh, the acting portrayal that we've gotten by the actor that is Yo-Yo. Stellar. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love that the interface for that character inside of what we see inside of all of the episodes where she's referred to, whether it's the 100-plus-year-old one or this one, newly arms, newly limbs lost, yo-yo, either mm. one. It, it's all spectacular. Fold in an incredibly compelling series of pieces by Mac. And I mean, my God. What, yeah. Just uh, pieces of story writing that just can't be matched inside of other things. And that that's the first part of my dossier. The second page inside of my dossier is absolutely dedicated to... We don't have a long enough podcast to talk about the quality of what's shown in this episode. I'm not kidding. I, I think I, I know it's just because the last several months of my life have been in turmoil and, and doing all kinds of projects and stuff. But I actually fell asleep during this episode. Mm-hmm. So I came into the studio today before we recorded and I sat down and watched it and did the rest of the skeleton for the episode. And just sitting here beyond needing to get done so that by the time that you're here... We can then get into the episode and then record it. Mm. Well, there's a there's a friendly little... It's not that we're limited to an hour. In fact, I, I would absolutely make things longer if I had the opportunity. No, I but there's a reasonable amount of time to then edit the episode, especially in a week-to-week-based program. Yeah. And so you have to whittle. And guys, this is an episode that we had to whittle a lot out of. Yeah. And I love that that's the problem we've got with this show. It continues to remind me that everything inside of the Marvel Universe should have this problem. Every single thing. When we get a DVD slash Blu-ray run of any movie, insert the name of title of Marvel, there should be three hours of stuff that had to be cut or talked about or something. Because there is that much tapestry to somehow either talk about or have one of the crew talk about how we wanted to add in, insert litany of things that they just pot could not possibly put in because you can't sit for four and a half hours watching a feature film although i think there'd be a way the theaters <laughs> would hate it the theaters would hate it but the dvd sales would be off the chain 
the delivery mechanisms online, they don't care. They don't care how long things are online. And eventually, when that window closes and there is no, hey, it's only available in the theaters window, that's just going to happen, my friend. Yeah. We're going to see three and a half, four-hour films that are dedicated to the people that want the content, regardless of how long it's going to take to deliver. That will just make it into a series of miniseries, which we've been talking about forever. Yeah. That yeah. whole Sulu miniseries concept from Jesus back in the 90s. That, that the, the Sulu miniseries that never came to fruition, that was essentially the adventures of the USS Excelsior and Captain Sulu. Captain Sulu. All of those are an incredibly rich tapestry of storytelling that's not gone, but they're definitely gone in how I think they would have been painted because we're not going to bring George Takei back in to be Captain Sulu except to maybe remember whomever is telling the story. Whether it's the new Sulu inside of the inside of the feature films to tell the story inside of a miniseries, or someone else that's recast, probably that's the way it would go. But that that's the second page of my dossier is that there's there's so much awesome here. That if we talked constantly... about everything that we loved about this show, this episode specifically, this would be a three hour podcast. Easy, yeah, no, yeah. No, no question. And and they would not be tiny little bit parts. They would be pieces that you and I can really dig into mm-hmm. and again that is my love of this program is there's so many connected tissue parts to make that we can't possibly talk about them all and right. that's that's really where we ask you guys what's inside of your dossiers that we didn't talk about let us know what you want to talk about over at our facebook presence that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast click on any one of the threads that's there or start your own and let's talk more about agents of shield season five episode 15 rise and shine Nick, it's time to jump into the rating. The rating during this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the score. A delicious delight to be held, regardless of whether you're saluting Hydra or jumping over to the other side and pushing the shield. A 1 is down on the bottom of a scale that I don't know is ever going to get met here inside of this season, if not in future iteration so meh anyway one is not good seven is where everything starts at an average the numbers go up with positives the numbers go down with negatives and nick there are no halvesies what have you got nick well during our dossier segment we we just got finished talking about how we have to limit ourselves to what we talk about because if we talked about everything that was awesome about the show it would be a three-hour podcast Mm -hmm. weekly yeah Cool part is that everyone would listen. I, we've we've talked about that forever too. Right. You yeah. make compelling content. People listen every. Exactly. Minute, so. Exactly. It might take them a couple of uh, drives back and forth to work to finally get it all in, but uh, they'll get it. <laughs> they in. do it. They do it. So that being said, how is it that we get to this rating section? And for me, it feels like I have to come up with something clever and and deep before I give my rating. Great. Clever and deep. What's your clever? Rating? Here's here's my clever and deep. This show is awesome. <laughs> this show is awesome. And then I'd say it eight more times to equal out to the number 10. Yeah. Yes, that's my rating, 10. Uh, 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 yeah, that's me trying to come up with something to say. No, there is nothing left to say. It's a 10. I'd give it more, but your stupid scale won't let me go any further than 10. I'd go to 11. Yeah. I-, I love arriving at the Saturdays. Now, the Saturday mornings at about 8.30 in the morning, where I'll wake up, I'll have some quick breakfast, I will step down to my theater downstairs, 
I will arrange my phone and or a laptop, and I will begin watching this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. on Hulu streaming. And the reason is because, insert everything we've talked about inside this episode. <laughs> yep. That is my little quick and dirty slash deep, and I also give this episode a 10. That's where we ask you guys, what did you give this episode? Oh, it cannot be a 10. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Or visit any of the other awesome pieces of social media that Two Guys Talking and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast loves to occupy. There's so many different ways. everywhere. Yeah, there's so many different ways to connect with us, and we look forward to you doing that with us. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End. This top secret two guys talking communication. All right, so this is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 15, Rise and Shine and Murder Nick. Hey. Get on bumps. If you if you do that, you're just asking for more work oh, on yourself, true. really, yeah. when too you true. think about it. Too true.